Happy Easter, folks. It's me, Ellie Rashid, here, and I bring you on repeat with my wonderful podcast partner, Hattie Winter, for your musical fix of the week. This week we bring you an Easter surprise and no less with the wonderful Uma who we mentioned actually in our podcast with Lucy Liu. The two are renowned for working wonderfully together and actually they're even a couple so how about that? Where does all the time go? But let's speak a little bit about Uma. So understanding Uma's childhood is really important when you're getting to know her work because she was born in Catalonia to a British mother trained in performance art and a Thai father working in a hospice in the slums of Bangkok. So her upbringing really influences her sounds and we do touch upon this during this interview. Uma was classically trained in the violin from the age of four years old. She even went on to study music at York, but she can do far more than just classical. She actually cites Joni Mitchell, Ella Fitzgerald, Nico, Shakira. We talk about Shakira and Florence and the Machine. We also speak about the possibly forgotten Avril Lavigne and what an icon she was for so many young girls. In this interview, we also speak about quarantine and what it's like to write in that period, but also putting on gigs, whether they're online or even in person in Uma's case. She's been doing some pretty wonderful things during lockdown. She set up a residency entitled Can Obit in her house in Spain. And that's where we're interviewing her as well, by the way. And it's really wonderful because it's sort of community focused project. And it's all about collaboration, which is just wonderful. It's exactly what we love on On Repeat. So many interesting conversations in this interview, actually. We talk about shy performers, what it's like to be a shy performer when people expect you to be really outgoing. So some really juicy conversations for you to get your teeth stuck into. But for now, I'm going to leave you with this beautiful Uma tune called Astronaut. It's actually one of my personal favourites. I've had it on repeat for such a long time. So you can sit back, relax, keep this one on repeat. And enjoy what Uma has to say because it's really, really wonderful. And remember, if you enjoy this podcast, just give us a like, subscribe, share with your friends. You know, say, I love that, love that podcast, love that music podcast. We really, really appreciate it. Um, and, you know, it just validates the, the work that we do. That would be really, really wonderful. Thank you so much. Around you, forgive me, I'm breathless We're all alone, now in space Astronauts colliding Face to face, keep flying I guess I'm a like, indie folk pop musician uh, based in Spain So I grew up here um, and then I went to York for university and then I moved back here for almost a year and then moved to London for two. So I've been kind of back and forth. Mm, how do you think kind of the change of locations influenced your music? I, did, I was like doing a bit of research on you and your mum's English. You grew up in Spain. I think they said your dad was from Thailand. Yeah. You've been to York. Or you, yeah, you studied in York, lived in London. They're all very like distinct mm. sounds. How do you think that's kind of shaped your your music your projects um I think like the main or my musical base is so classical and so European in a way that um inevitably that's where I 
kind of started from that was my starting point and I listened to a lot of uh, Brazilian music at home but then I think when I started getting into songwriting and wanting to be a musician more in that kind of way I was listening to singer-songwriters like Laura Marling so the British thing definitely influenced me there uh, and I think I've only just like gotten brave enough to explore the rest of it like I think obviously all of the experience influenced who I am as a person but um, musically I'm starting to feel the especially the Spanish side come out mm. more uh, yeah I'm like writing starting to write a new project I'm not really sure what it is yet and I've written my first Spanish song and I always I was always too nervous oh. to do that uh, but lockdown has given me yeah just yeah the freedom to do that which has been great I, I find it really interesting about your influences actually and the fact that you studied uh classical whatever the hell that means at <laughs> York um and you did violin so what what was the course like so it was very it was you had to get in on you had to do performance so I guess mm -hmm. it was kind of performance based but um there was a lot of theory I think Part of the reason I gravitated towards York was because it was very, like, yeah, quite traditional, but also very, it had a very big uh, department that looked into contemporary classical music. Right. And that's something right. that I was really interested in. I think also because my mom had been, like, she's a performance artist, but she comes from the, like, really intellectual side. So she'd given me all of this stuff before going there. And I was really interested in like sound art and installations. And mm. by the end of my time at York, I really like was moving more towards that. Um, it's funny because I, I have played the violin or I played the violin since I was about five. And then after university, I just stopped. I completely fell out of love with the whole classical music, like orchestra. And um, I've been on this long journey after university to kind of try and find my way back to it but it's really hard I think especially when you go through that like really tough not much freedom within the structure of classical music um but York was very free I just don't think it was maybe I was going through my own thing with classical music mm. Mm. it's interesting you say that uh I funnily enough felt um so much empathy because I felt in exactly the same position after having done quite a classical course I did opera and I remember oh, wow. afterwards just wanting to just listen to anything but you know <laughs> like it was it was too, it was so intense and I same as you as well just finding it quite difficult to get back on that journey perhaps it's also because we can't really go to concerts at the moment but I'm hoping that when they do sort of come up again you might be able to I don't know find that streak do you think it was important though to have that grounding I mean you said you had you were learning from five years old like that's quite young um yeah are you yeah, glad that definitely. you had that foundation yeah like I don't think I think it's um informed who I am as a musician it's given me all of the more theory base all of that side um I feel really lucky to have it because of that. I think that as a general life learning experience, it was really good for me to have that consistency. And I think it was something that I was really stubborn about. Like I hate practicing. I've always hated practicing. Um, <laughs> it drives my mom crazy. And every time I wouldn't want to practice, she'd be like, okay, then we'll give the violin away. You don't <laughs> have to play if you don't want to. Like we'll just give it to a kid who who really does want to play and I was like no I want to keep doing this this is my thing um so Your I think it was just what she out was of doing. stubbornness yeah <laughs> definitely yeah I have um I actually have a question for both of you here uh just talking about this I'm just imagining Uma five years old playing the violin and it reminds me quite a lot of some of the pupils I have who are so young and do you both think that five years old is too young to learn an instrument or do you think do you think that it depends on the instrument or do you think that somehow children should be given the choice to choose their instrument or how can they know I definitely chose mine like, you chose I, yours yeah I chose mine I was walking past 
a music school and there was like these windows it's in my local town and there are these windows that you can look in and apparently I spotted someone playing the violin and I was like I want that and just went on and on and on about it until uh they got me a violin but I think it depends on the teacher you have like I think for my first years I had the most like I've always had incredible teachers but I think Mm. my first years I had a really good teacher who allowed me to just learn and play and fall in love with playing whereas the later years I had a more a very strict teacher who's like you can't improvise unless your technique is perfect you can't do anything Mm. you have to be perfectly in tune and I think that was definitely the start of me falling out of love with it so I think it's just Mm. the teacher you get yeah I, I think that comes down to a lot of things I was thinking about that with languages I think a lot of I don't know I think you know people are like Oh, English people don't know any languages. They don't. They're terrible. But I think, I don't know, I don't think I've ever met anyone that's had like a decent language teacher in kind of like secondary school. At least maybe like just all the comprehensives that that I know. And I think that can really make and break your your relationship with it. And I also think, yeah, it's. I think it's really important that kids are allowed to just like play with the instruments and like learn learn through mistakes and I don't know sometimes maybe we put way too much effort on like kids need to be like the next Mozart but you should be able to like pick up a drum and just like bang it and yeah definitely. I don't think five's too too young at all yeah I think younger just out the womb with a tambourine <laughs> the dream <laughs> yeah I mean I, I I completely I completely agree I think that free play in music is one of the most important things and even better well it sounds like Uma you managed to do this like you actually chose your instrument I think that's quite unusual for um for five-year-olds I think it's it's rare often it's the parent choosing and often that can then be quite a gendered thing as well um so so I mean we see like I'm trying to think what's a really like the flute, uh, with exception of um, Luke Scott, actually, uh, the flute is often quite a kind of female instrument. A violin, I'm not sure. I guess that's a, that's a little bit of both, isn't it? I love a violin. Yeah, I think, I think that's both. So I think nice. there's like there's a real mix in vi- like in gender and violinists, but mainly because you have these incredibly like talented male concert violinists who mm. have become very famous over the years. Mm. what did you give up the violin well not give up the violin what did you kind of jump to after the violin you stopped playing that what instrument are you playing now uh guitar is probably my main instrument now um mid york i kind of started i'd always i'd written songs for a while but in that way where you're like yeah i i can write songs i'm just playing around and then in York I started a band with three friends and all of us love classical music but I think all of us had a really weird relationship with it so we decided Mm. to start a folk band which was really (laughs) fun because that was like the first proper band I was in and there were three uh four of us Alessia was on guitar then we had violin a cellist and me on vocals because I was always too panicked to play the violin in public um and I just started writing more and more there so I think it felt I didn't feel as sad about not playing the violin anymore because I had this other thing that I'd been doing for a while ah that makes sense I wonder if I was gonna say I wonder if like violins I really don't know much about them like do they lend themselves to kind of like songwriting like sing like do you know I mean I'm imagining like being in your bedroom and you know you're like we're putting words mm. together to try and make something I'm like can, I can imagine that on a guitar mm. I can't imagine that on a to be violin. honest I've never done it on a violin <laughs> I've like added violin after but um I've never written to violin but that's probably something that I'd be interested in doing yeah that's actually a really good idea because it's you could probably get some melodies from that I mean yeah. it's you're right Hattie I think most people do write songs on instruments where chords are available not I mean chords are available technically (laughs) on the violin but but yeah yeah Yeah, I'm just imagining like Liam Gallagher like writing like (laughs) champagne supernova with a violin and I'm like would he have done that (laughs) so was the was the folk group that you had was that 
the first sort of time that you were you were really singing yeah yeah and my voice has changed so much <laughs> since yeah then. that's 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 really interesting because your voice is very distinctive and I think it's really difficult for singers it can sometimes take a lifetime to actually find your voice in in whatever mm. style so do you feel like that's something that's developed or do you feel like you've always known what your voice is Oh no, I think like, I think I was, when I was probably seven or eight, I thought I was a great singer and would like belt Shakira. Um, yeah. And then I think I've always been like, oh, well, this is something I can do because I feel, conf- I don't know why I felt confident in it, um, but listening back to old recordings of that band, yeah, my voice has changed a lot and I think it's still still developing and still changing i think the more confident i get in my music the more my voice changes as well Mm. Mm. can you pinpoint any like changes is there anything that like uh i don't know sticks out to you well i feel like it's less annoying now um (laughs) it's mainly deeper i think Mm. than before i never really but i think that's also just me i never really let myself sing that deep like I'd always try and do these high like yeah high melodies and belt it and I've just kind of discovered over the years that's that my voice doesn't really do that and that's okay and I think coming Mm -hmm. to terms with that has been really important to just learn where my voice can go and how it can go there yes Mm, that's a really that's a really good point and I think that's a really nice thing to mention as well because it looks like there are a lot of singers coming through at the moment who are becoming quite popular like I'm thinking like even Arlo Parks like people like Phoebe Bridges I guess like even Laura Marling and people who they don't they don't belt it and it's like people are kind of appreciating that purity a little bit more and you're right I think after kind of you know x-factor time where that's what was seen as good singing people seem to be stripping back a little bit and actually trying to sort of find their own voices which is great and the other thing I was going to say about um the sort of deep voice thing is that people forget that women's voices do actually break as well yeah (laughs) totally (laughs) like I think I can remember my voice kind of breaking and like (laughs) I see it now like when like sometimes when I'm singing songs that um, I sung when I was like 10. I'm like, oh, actually, yeah, <laughs> something happened. <laughs> it hurts, yeah. Exactly. Um, what were your, um, you said, you mentioned Shakira. This is really funny. Like, what were your other kind of like sing-along things? Uh, I went through a very, um, must have been a terrible phase for my parents, but my my sister lives in, in Italy. And I think the summer I was maybe... I, don't, I can't remember when the CD... I actually can't remember how old I was, but I must have been like eight or nine or maybe 10. And we drove down from Spain to Italy. And I had two CDs that this older girl from school had given me for my birthday. And she was like really cool and she'd come to my birthday party. <laughs> and she bought Avril Lavigne and Shakira. Oh and I had those two and I didn't let them turn it off. And I just sat in the back, like scream. I know all of the lyrics to all of the songs. Um, so those are my, those are the two pieces that everybody asks me. They're like, so what are like the first work, like albums that you can really <laughs> reference? And those are the two ones that I really love. That's amazing. I, mean, I do think that's, that's quite a good um, kind of like, mirror of your kind of influence you've got like Shakira with like her very like Latin influence you've got mm. Avril Lavigne which is like your Canadian yeah like, I don't know I, remember I actually that don't know like where I can definitely feel that influence in my music coming out every now and again but I think I'm also very much very aware of it so I'm like okay Uma don't go there too much <laughs> oh my god I remember that that Avril Lavigne album so much mm. it was like it's iconic but I also remember that Shakira album I think there's like a couple of songs on there that I think still really stand up and it's an album that she did in Spanish and then did it the whole thing again in English and that was for me that was mind-blowing I was like oh my god I get to listen to it twice and it's the same but different yeah yeah that is the dream it's funny because that would have been a long ride though your poor parents yeah sorry yeah I really I really feel for them (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I actually discovered those um, early Shakira uh, tracks quite recently, and I just I was kind of my mind was blown. I was like, wow. And also, Avril Lavigne is someone I think she's been quite an important musical icon for a lot of women uh particularly which is i mean yeah i st- still have still you, a bit of a guilty pleasure for me <laughs> have you heard the theory that like she died yeah. and was replaced yeah. by her twin yeah so many i kind of believe oh. it she does she does, she does look, look different, different right <laughs> but i'm like maybe that's just plastic surgery maybe yeah. that's what fame does to you yeah maybe <laughs> <laughs> I just want to bring it back to the singing a sec um because i think we could go on and on and on about this but something that really um strikes me about the the stuff that you've been doing with luke that's lucy lee uh for people listening <laughs> and it, it's really yeah it has really got that kind of pure quality but i love the fact that when you both sing together it's mm. not it's not necessarily always in harmony it's sometimes in unison but it feels like it's in harmony somehow and you've both got such unique voices and you can tell that it's you I think that's something that's really lovely but they they also blend very well sort of on top of each other they they sit very well together is that something that you're kind of aware of when you're singing together it's if it's is it something that you feel is really natural or do you feel like you manipulate it in a way um it's something we've definitely discovered like stumbled upon Mm. in quarantine just working together a lot and singing together and we wrote those first songs and recording them really quickly and didn't really have time to figure out the harmonies so we did a lot of unison and didn't realize how it sounded but since then we've started to explore that more in in a more like yeah in a more careful way maybe where we we actually try and make it sound like one voice which is really hard Mm. because doubling is like its own its own art form but I feel like we've spent so long now doing doubling each other that we're getting quite good at it so the new I think we've done a lot of stuff for his album which is going to be out at some point soon which is sounding great and um we're writing a lot of new stuff and I really like it. It gives, I think I, because of the depth of my voice, like, because I can sing quite deep and he can go quite high, quite a lot higher Mm. than I can. We can make this voice that neither of us can really get on our own, which has been Mm. fun. Yeah. And it it almost becomes like proper sort of unity. It sounds like its own, just one voice. And I think because, because of that, because it feels so sort of unison, it draws you even more into the lyrics in a kind of almost like folk way which I find really interesting so when you're when you're writing lyrics I mean it must be do you find it easier to write on your own or or do you write together and how is that as well because obviously you two in a relationship is that ever a bit difficult yeah I mean it's taken us a really long we've we've been together a while now and it's taken us a really long time I think again it comes down to for me, the confidence that I had in my own music and that I have in in kind of my my skill and my skill in in songwriting, because I was always really shy. So we'd get in a room because since we've since before we've been together, we've always been like, yeah, we should write together, and we've tried it, and we've made songs over the years. But um, I was always I was always coming at it from a point where I was very shy and being like, I don't know if my lyrics are gonna be good enough, and I don't really want to sing this because it's not going to sound good. Uh, So I find it a lot easier to write by myself, but because we've been put in the same space and kind of the best way to keep sane for both of us has been to keep working. We've created a space where I think both of us feel like we can write in a very free way, Mm. which is really cool because I'd never had someone who was that encouraging and being like yeah Mm. it's fine just like even if it sounds really rubbish it's gonna be fine um Mm. we've been writing a lot together in the last couple of weeks but sometimes I have to keep came out 
out of the room. I have to just be like, please <laughs> just leave me alone with this piece of music and I'll write something and then come back to you with it. Um, mm. And yeah, it's tricky. But I think it's just we're in a really tricky situation where we're stuck in the middle of the countryside um, and we do the same job basically so we can't really yeah. escape that yeah actually I do kind of want to touch on like quarantine and, and lockdown because you've released so much during the time but I kind of want to go back to something you, like you just said and you were saying that you were quite shy about sort of songwriting and you also said that you've only just built up the kind of confidence to release something in Spanish but like what what kind of pushed you not push over the edge that sounds really negative what kind of did make you take the leap and like kind of feel confident was it being in lockdown and kind of yeah I don't know having the time to explore and create more and just be like do you know what yeah I let's think do it. where we were coming from as a couple we needed to sort through a lot of things and I think that for me my my work and my personal life I write about what I know so I write about what I'm going through so it always inevitably becomes kind of biographic biographical and um mm. yeah because we kind of just come back together it became very therapeutical so because of all of that stuff that had to come out it was just it just felt easier for it to come out in the work rather than sometimes just like have a big conversation or, or have a fight it just we've worked a lot of things out in the music and I think that once you've put everything out there and gone through all of that stuff especially in that space it just it it feels silly to keep being shy I think that was it I was just like well there's not really a point in me being shy anymore <laughs> yeah that's so good I, I am really happy to hear like something kind of positive I think out of a lot of the negative I think it's really good to know that there's definitely some silver linings I've definitely experienced it in my own relationship and we aren't we aren't making music together but um I think it's it's a really strange situation to be with someone pretty much 24 7 yeah lockdown um, is intense it's really intense really really intense me and my boyfriend like share like an office space and we don't we kind of have similar ish jobs like similar enough that we can ask each other's opinion on like what we're working on but different enough that we don't have to get bogged down in the details. And it could have all gone, I think it could have all gone really horribly wrong. So it's nice when things have gone really wonderfully well because it is just a intense. Yeah, we've ha we're both very stubborn. So we've had quite a few run-ins <laughs> with like, yeah, with having to work in the same space and share the same creative space. But I think if you're able to make it work, then it's great definitely and it must be really nice to be creating in such a beautiful setting mm. do you think that's kind of helped yeah I mean I think I think <laughs> it's helped we've got loads of animals here as well so it's all been yeah it's been good to have that outside oh, world nice. what animals do you have I feel like sometimes I live on a farm and I've got two, <laughs> I've got two cats and a dog now two cats and it and feels a dog. like <laughs> yeah so, sometimes I wake up and it's like oh man I gotta feed all the animals <laughs> <laughs> what animals have you got um we've got three dogs and three cats well oh my god two cats but one just adopted us she just turned up <laughs> and she won't leave and she's she's actually quite aggressive she like attacks <laughs> all of the other animals but she just her owner i know who she belongs to as well and her owner will like drop by every now and again but he believes she has um it's her choice He's like, she's yeah, made her yeah. choice. She wants to be with you. So he'll park his car outside and he like beeps to let us know he's out there. And I hear him opening the door to his car and he's like, okay, Goo, if you want to come in, I'll take you home. You can come home with you, with me. And then I think like a couple of days ago he did that and the neighbor drove in and he was blocking the road. And I just started hearing her being like, just pick the cat up. It's a cat. <laughs> And he was like, just leave me alone. So, yeah. Anyway, we've got lots of animals. Um, two massive mastiffs. Which is, oh, wow. Yeah. That feels like such a such a busy house. But <laughs> a lot is. to keep you busy with. And there is nothing like, like, I don't know. Sometimes I think my dog and my cats give me like perspective. Where I'm like, do you know what? Everything's really crap. And then I look at my little dog's face and I'm like, do you know what? 
it's fine. Things will be fine. Yeah, I know what you mean. Unhealthy, yeah. It's, it's quite good, quite grounding. It's interesting you were speaking about being shy and mm. we have spoken about this before as well and it's, in, it's funny how a lot of our guests have actually said that they think they're shy and yet this is a music podcast and we're talking about <laughs> songwriting, performing. <laughs> do you ever feel like people do expect that you're really outgoing and confident and like ready to perform and how does that kind of make you feel are you okay to just sort of perform whenever um or do you feel like do you have any coping mechanisms I think I'm quite good at separating I, like I don't know if this is the right word that, or the right kind of way of describing it but of like turning it on or turning the shyness off like if I meet you just as me and someone's introducing you in a completely like just a dinner party or just in the park, I'll probably be super shy and I come across mm. as like being a bit unfriendly and I'm just, I'm also very much a country bumpkin. So I just like, like being by myself in the countryside and not really, yeah, I'm very happy in that context. So I find that side of just like, being human that makes me shy but then being a performer I just love it I love it a lot I really and I think over the years I've enjoyed being on stage more and more so yeah I get really nervous but then once I'm up there it's I find it really hard to like stop and I'll be like we had a gig recently which was really weird but we had a really beautiful gig in Barcelona and it was tiny because obviously there's loads of restrictions so there was like 40 people and all socially distanced and masked but it felt very intimate so I just kept going I was like should we do another song and Luke was like yeah sure if you want to and I was like guys should we do another song and they were like yeah okay um so I think I've become almost a different person on stage and remember Luke was talking a little bit about the performances that you were doing and actually um Tim who I'm working with at the moment on an album we were saying oh we need to go and visit them and like do do something because yeah, you, you seem come. to work in uh, we will we will <laughs> but road we'll do a road trip yeah, yeah definitely. definitely definitely but you you seem to work in such interesting spaces and it's something that I've, I've also noticed on like your social media and things like that um and you, you know you're talking about the Barcelona gig and things have you had any more really interesting gigs in interesting spaces I think this whole year we've been really lucky because Spain have kept culture just for economic purposes they've kept a lot of concerts especially in the summer they were all outside mm. so they kept them going so we've actually done a lot in the last year and they've all been really I think this has been the most crazy year for gigs for me because they've all been very touching mm -hmm. because we've all been in quarantine for so long mm. that when you're allowed to go out and when you make it to an event like that I think people were just automatically really grateful and they're like the quietest gigs I've ever played um and people will email in after and come up after and be like thank you so much it was it's been a year since I've seen a gig. So I think just because of that, these have been, yeah, really incredible. Yeah. Do you have any gigs special. in the pipeline as well at the moment? Because things are starting yeah. to sort of open up. Or any virtual gigs. Yes. Oh, I have a virtual gig. Well, it's kind of a gig. I think it's like an Instagram live. I think that's the next thing and the only thing I have booked in. And I think it's on the 15th of April. Um on Ooh. the blogger tech instagram that's amazing mm. have you done like an instagram live performance before no what's that no is that's something your first one yeah this is gonna be my first one luke did loads at the start of lockdown well loads he did a couple at the start of lockdown and um but i've never had to do one i think i always have a great excuse i'm always like this is a an area <laughs> where i get really shy and my internet's pretty bad so I'm always like, oh, I don't know if I can do Instagram Live because my internet's going to crash. I did like one Instagram Live kind of interview with another musician. And yeah, my internet was so bad that we just had to stop it. Oh, 
I mean, I think people now are very forgiving. Yeah. And like, that's totally fine. I wonder, like, do you think that you'll feel shyer? I don't know. I, I'm finding it interesting that maybe you'd feel shyer for like the Instagram live where you, you actually can't see anyone mm. as opposed to like being on a stage. Mm. Yeah, I think mm. I think so. I think Instagram live is so weird because it's like it shows you how many people are, it tells you like the number of people watching and then comments come in and I find it I find I'm easily distracted by things like that. So I'd be like, oh my God, there's like four people and now there's five and now there's mm. two. Where did everybody go? Maybe <laughs> they hate my music. Uh, gosh I mean I've like accident you know sometimes if you're scrolling through Instagram and it's like the live stories sometimes I've like clicked them and I'm like the first one I'm like oh my god <laughs> and then I feel really like on the spot and I feel quite shy and suddenly like oh hey Hattie and I'm like I'll just leave really quickly so I can't imagine being on the other side because even that makes me feel shy yeah Instagram so. etiquette is like really weird I think it, it also it makes you appreciate just sort of human energy though as well because you know when you're playing a gig you kind of sometimes you can see people's faces or you can just you can just feel it can't you you can feel where you're going to go or like maybe even what song you're going to do next and that's just a very kind of intuitive thing whereas what have you got with instagram live or facebook live people sending like love hearts like or like typing things it's not the same like like words and energy and i think that's a massive you know massive thing about live performances and gigs and a reason why we just we want them back already but when they do come back is there any like do you have any places um or spaces that you think yeah I would like to do that and you can be as wacky mm. or creative as possible like what would be your dream space to perform in or place how would you have it it's kind of like an almost like how would you have your wedding question but <laughs> yeah it's really difficult because we've we've started to put together a new show so I'm like constantly thinking about how I want to do the next performances um there are so many places. I think a really big one is uh, there's a cave on the coast, like just north of here. And there's they do like a small series of concerts where you go in on a boat and you go to the cave and the cave's called, I think it's called the Devil's Cave because you can see the sunrise and it or it makes the cave go like bright red. And um, so you drive, you kind of go with the boat out there before sunset then the artist plays the show unplugged and then you drive back with the sun setting and it's really beautiful so that's that's on my kind of bucket list of shows that i want to do and the sound in there is incredible um oh there are so many places has anybody ever done anything like that before that you know of yeah yeah so they they do it quite they do it every summer oh. and it's um quite difficult to get tickets to because they just like they just have one small boat and sometimes if you're mm. lucky they'll take like an extra one out but there's only kind of five people per boat um sounds so beautiful yeah i think you've won that answer <laughs> you know some people are like oh, i just want to do this really sweaty club in like east london I think oh i'd love to do sweaty clubs <laughs> in, in east london as well like i'm just i just give me any show i'll do it but we're bu we're also building an amphitheater in my garden so when that's done, I want to perform. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, as you do. I mean, I, I wish my garden was big enough. I'm considering building like a teeny tiny skate ramp that even that would just be the whole garden. Oh, that would be so, so cool. An amphitheater would be amazing. Have you had a gig that you've done um, that for whatever reason has been like your most memorable? Yeah, I'd say... One of my most memorable wasn't was kind of like an improvised gig, mm. and it was one of my parents' friends has a restaurant around here, and we just went to have supper. And one of their other friends was there with her aunt, who was ninety four. Mm. She was like they were having a Good big age. birthday party for her, and they were like, "Oh, let's have a concert. Let's just." have have a party and they had no amplification and they just like got me up on a table um but i i love those those are the kind of gigs <laughs> that i love where i can just like be on uma time with just me and the guitar and make it really personal those are like my favorite gigs 
Yeah, because you said that that was an improvised, improvised gig. And when you said that, I thought you meant that all the music was improvised, like, oh, on, no. like <laughs> you know, like a huge yeah. improvisation. But you meant like the sort of the whole, like it was just spontaneous. Yeah, exactly, spontaneous. But you do do you do improvise stuff, right? Um, kind of. Not not that much in the past, but. The new setup for the live stuff is now a lot more electronic. Mm. We've got like synths and I'm on bass synth and we've got a drum machine. um, And that there's a lot more space for the improvised stuff there. So it's just like Luke and I on stage and that feels more improvised because there's more space for both of us to play and just have fun with it. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people... um, who maybe listen to uh, quite specific genres or, or pop or, you know, things with, with clear lyrics, um, they they sometimes struggle a little bit with the idea of having something quite free-flowing and, and improvised. Is there any way that you could kind of, uh, I don't know, almost give some sort of pointers or tips to people to of, on how to listen to that kind of music if you if you know what I mean like what to listen out for how do you kind of engage yourself if you're not used to that I think you just I think it's it's kind of what you were saying with the um the gigs and the Instagram gigs is you have to feel it mm. I think that's the main thing is if you don't connect with it you're not gonna you're not gonna get it but it might really surprise you I think going in with the open mind of saying okay well maybe this isn't quite what I'm used to but I'm just Mm. gonna see if it if it does something for me yeah Mm. I think that's a jumping into the deep end that's a really really good point I think just keeping open-minded about everything and if you're used to lyrics I think you can always kind of latch on to certain melodies and sometimes make your own lyrics up depending on how you feel that vibe is yeah definitely yeah, that's it. So it can be quite a sort of a creative experience for the audience or for the listener, I guess, can't it? Yeah, I think so. I think it's very, it can be very playful. Mm. But I think it's like a lot of things, like sometimes if you don't understand it, you're like, well, it doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm just going to shut it off. loads of things coming out sort of this year late last year so like black bees bring me the mountain just released nebula you've got an ep coming out next month you said earlier on is it next month yeah it's next month yeah already Ooh, exciting um and then you said you're working on some more projects and i was like how do you have how do, how do you have time to like put down all the ideas where where do actually your ideas come from they mm. seem so boundless um Having a like workaholic, stubborn and very caring partner really helps in that because I think I'd take a lot more time off. But yeah, he's just he loves to work and and we inevitably end up working a lot. So it's just been a it's yeah, I think going back to the one of my first points is I hate practicing, but this year has really been a year of of practice and I think I've just Mm. spent so many hours writing and working on on the live Mm. setup and and the EPs yeah Yeah. and I'm assuming like you write you write you might write like a a lyric or maybe like you might come up with a melody and if it doesn't work are you the type of person that will like put that in a in a box and kind of come back to it use it for like future influences you said that you don't listen much back to your songs I'm wondering if you do that with your ideas as well oh I listen to my music so much I listen to my music a lot until the point when everybody else can listen to it <laughs> like <laughs> yeah um yeah I think I I put things in like different folders and notebooks and keeps the like I forget about a lot of them um but lately and I don't want to say this like too soon so touch wood but we've been working and I've been writing very quickly which has been nice because usually I spend 
a while coming and going with the song. Um, but yeah, I think it depends on the song as well and what it's about. Mm, nice. Do you have any like favorite themes? Or are you again quite sort of free with that? I inevitably end up writing like about myself and my love life. Um mm. Yeah. Which is harder to do when you're feeling happy. So I'm starting to explore other <laughs> things. I'm pushing myself, I think, also pushing myself to like uncomfortable places. You said that like it was a bad thing. I think we were talking to someone maybe a couple of weeks ago and it's like, you know, Adele is so fake. Like, everyone mm. was like, oh, we don't really want Adele to like get happy and get <laughs> down because her albums are so much about her, her love life. Um, that was a really cool thing. Sorry, Adele, if you're listening. <laughs> But, but yeah, <laughs> but I think you know. I think it's a place that a lot of people can kind of universally understand, isn't it? Like we're all trying to make sense of ourselves and yeah, find mm. love and be in love and know how to love. So yeah, they're really good, good that, things. That was very beautiful. Then. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, I was going to say, going way back, you've obviously collaborated loads with Lucy Liu. Are there any? dream collaborations that you would like to like to have like to they could be dead they could be alive or you're not limited by um any sort of realistic things who would you love to work with i'd this is a really tough one i'd love to work i think i'd love to work with like a classic a very like classic classical composer like Debussy I'd love to just sit down and be like let's let's write some pop songs (laughs) I that's really cool I can also see you working with someone like Joanna Newsom oh yeah I'm just I'm in love with her I would love to work with Joanna Newsom you can make some cool stuff all of the like Brazilian Caetano Veloso all of those like I'd love to also just yeah even just sit in a room with them yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't mind <laughs> just like let me watch you work and I'll be happy um, I love that so much I love that but yeah that's so good what can we expect from your EP next time uh, mm, slightly happier music um, and lots of love songs Perfect. My favourite. Yeah. My favourite two things I'd say. That's good. <laughs> I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to like having it on repeat, to be honest. Oh, I hope you enjoy it. I'm so nervous. Oh, oh bless you. What's the date? 9th of April. That is quite soon, actually. Yeah, Maybe. that's very soon. How long has it been kind of in the works? How long have you been working on it? It's been done since like last August. Okay. Yeah, so a while. We wrote it at the very start of lockdown. We wrote most of it. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's been, it's, I kind of, I don't really realize that it's out that soon. And then a month later, about a month later, I'm releasing a kind of double sided single uh, featuring an amazing artist, or with not featuring, just like as a joint release. She's called Amy May Ellis, and that's going to be very folky. So, I think this is going to be more electronic and then going back to very very folky oh i love it lots of like surprises very playful which yeah. i think is a good thing but yeah and then like a month after that we've got a su- kind of surprise this is the first time we're talking about it but um a mixtape oh wow coming out what yeah so there's a lot of releases so many releases how it's do you keep track um I don't. I'm really I'm really bad at replying to messages. I'm really bad at social media. I'm I'm really bad at all of it. I just can't keep track of all of it. So oh. I just go with go with the flow. Whatever's happening. Yeah. Sounds like a really amazing couple of months lined up to be honest. Very exciting. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. And hopefully it will be shared more on Anthony Fontana, Fontana. I forget his name. I'm sure. Fontana, we'll, yeah, we'll, hopefully. We'll reach out to him as well and be we'll like see. You need to have a listen <laughs> you need to review this you need to talk about this more get her some more followers we've been talking quite a lot about your influences throughout but do you have any particular influences at the moment um who do you have on repeat at the moment who do i have on repeat 
Uh, who do I have on repeat? I have a lot of female artists on repeat yeah, right now. I've like got like hear. a playlist of only female artists. It's got like uh, an artist. I think she's based in London called Sola. Um, she's amazing. I love all of her stuff. I love her voice. I love everything about her. Um, I've got lots of Little Dragon. Oh, yeah. Nice. As well. Some Raven Linnae. Um and who else and then this um i think she's mexican she's kind of my favorite artist at the moment she's called natalia la forcade it's been amazing to to talk to you and just have a real like quite a chilled out conversation um about everything and i feel like after this conversation your music makes quite a lot more sense to me actually um and it feels very, very real. Like I'm, I mean, I sensed that it was very real anyway, but after having talked to you, it just, um, it's, it's nice to, to kind of really understand that it is so, it comes from such an authentic place. So oh, thank you. It was lovely talking to you. Bye. <laughs> okay, bye. The world on my shoulders. And even though my heart broke a while ago, it still weighs me down. People say I sound a little older this year. She's so lush, isn't she? She's just brilliant. Uh, if you enjoyed that, then remember you can follow Uma on Instagram at Umonski. That's U-M-O-N-S-K-I. This will be a really good way to keep up to date with her new EP release, which will be the 9th of April, very, very soon. But right now I have the pleasure of leaving you with this early Uma tune called Mockingbird. So I hope you enjoy and we will see you next week. Have a lovely Easter, everyone. And you can hear the crush of our bones Louder when we're dancing chants Taking my word for now Going unheard for now And I feel the weight of the world on my shoulders My heart weighs me down And they say I sound a little older Maybe I was never that young or wise Feel the weight of the world on my shoulders And love lets me Let me stay